Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, this is Dr. David Wardy, and I'm here with my brother in wellness, my brother in health, Dr. Nick Jensen. Buddy, I, I miss you, man. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was like, yeah, we, we meet once a week. We had a two-week hiatus, but like, I, don't, I haven't chatted with you much, man. I know. It's How's funny it going we, up north? It's good. I mean, we've, uh, we've been just being diligent little soldiers up here doing our thing. And, um, but yeah, I feel the same way, man. I, you know, we, we, we have so much to say before we get on these calls. <laughs> it's kind of like we, do, we need more time just to connect. Yes. Uh, but we got an important topic today. Yeah, man, we were just talking. I can't believe we have not had this topic yet. We're, we're on our 51st episode, everybody. Uh, today we're going to talk about energy. You know, and this is one of those top things that I think almost everybody that walks through our doors or you talk to almost anybody that is struggling with their health. And they'll, energy is usually a component that plays a role here whether it's not a conscious thing and you think you still have energy because we talk to plenty of those types of patients where after you actually get to talk to them, they realize, well, I guess I don't have that much energy. And then people that are just struggling, man, right? They're dragging all day. They're having trouble getting through a full day. They feel exhausted all the time. Um, and so I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot to talk about on this particular topic today. So uh, let's break it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And why don't we start with kind of what are the main systems or main things uh, when it comes to our bodies that are causing or where we need to look perhaps when we're having problems here. Let's start there. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it totally sounds good. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's part and parcel, I think, every single illness that will ever present itself, you know. And, and I think, you know, maybe even a good place to start is, is just our mindset around it because most of us relate energy to being young and there's this i I feel like there's a sickness in our culture that as we age energy is supposed to go down as we age health goes down quality of life goes down it's just a it's a virtue of aging it's like we've all bought into the belief system that energy is only available in in youth and I think it's a, it's a poison in our culture. I, I think that the more we buy into that, the more we believe it, and it becomes a reality for us. And then we, we're just living and expecting this lack of energy. You know, us both having kids, we recognize that, man, if we don't have energy, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're volatile in our conversations with our kids where, you know, we can't make that connection with our, with our partners like we need to. We can't commit to ourselves to you know, showing up in business or for patients, you know, it it affects all aspects to life. And I think just sometimes just having an awareness of where we're draining our energy. And sometimes it's, we're draining it in the mental space and just our our mindset around things. Maybe our to-do lists are too big that we just kind of feel overwhelmed and we, we don't get things done because we're, we're stuck in this, again, this mindset. And, and that maybe we're not deserving of energy because, you know, because, because we're getting older, because of all these things or, you know, there, there's a lot of obviously different ways to talk about this, but I think just kind of let's, let's sort of fix that mindset around we don't deserve energy when, as we get older, I think that's an important place to start. 
Well, I like how you start with mindset, but even with our emotional health, right? You know, if we're thinking negatively all day, we can literally be just be draining ourselves of our energy, right? We've talked about how powerful our thoughts are. Um, you know, we talk about Bruce Lipton all the time. And, and you know, for everyone, that, again, the book is called The Biology Belief. So check it out. But yeah, I'm glad you started there because that's, that's, par- that's paradigm again, right? That's, that's understanding that as we go through life, no, we're not supposed to just have less and less energy. But do we maybe have to work a little bit harder to maintain or optimize our energy levels? And I would say yes to that. Um, so let's let's get into that mindset piece, man. Like, so so a lot of people think that oh, I'm just getting older. But if you kind of look at that individual sometimes, and we kind of zoom in with our lens, we're going to see a lot of things with that individual of possibly why they're actually struggling. So. I would actually start this conversation outside of just like you're saying this whole mindset of yes, there is more energy there if you want it and you just have to look in the right places. And I, I like to start with everyone's metabolism, man. Mm -hmm. Like when you're kind of looking at the bigger picture, I think your metabolic health is one of those foundational pillars that it needs to be optimal for us to have good energy throughout the day. And a lot of people are upside down right there. I mean, if you ask me, like just in the U.S., we have a big problem with metabolic health. Mm -hmm. And so we also have an energy crisis for people as well. So your metabolism plays a huge role to this. Our insulin sensitivity, our control of our blood sugar, which is going to impact our cortisol levels and and have an effect there just from baseline type stuff. So this is how we eat, everybody. It's how often we eat. This is what you're eating, right? These are all playing a massive role. Uh, into what we're doing every day. And we can actually sabotage this based off our habits and our behaviors throughout the day. So true. And, and you know, we're, we're not collectively uh, aware of where to look at where we're draining our energy, right? Because that's, uh, that's a big part of this metabolic picture. Because most of us have been taught to eat every few hours and, you know, your energy comes from food. We even look at food. We call it fuel. You know, we, we relate to that uh, in such a funny way. It's like, you know, filling your, your car up with gas. You know, however, your engine can be totally busted in your car and you can put more gas in your car. That's not going to do anything for you. You know, it's the same kind of analogy when it comes to your body. It's like, how is the machinery of the body operating? And is there, you know... Is there, you know, rust building up on your, on your engine, you know, that could be inflammation in your body or is there, you know, do you need an oil change, you know, which could be like, maybe you need a fast and just, you know, just clear, clear the system a little bit. But I think if we, if we stop looking at uh, food as fuel and start to understand that it's, it's actually a communication tool to communicate effectively to ourselves and our body or not. And, you know, that, that would evolve more into, you know, the toxins that are getting into our body that are shutting down our metabolic processes from, you know, uh, that the Axe spray that I used to wear when I was uh, in college <laughs> or like, you know, the Glade air fresheners or, you know, the, the toxic things in our environment to the things that get put onto our food and, you know, so on and so forth. So we're, you know, we're conditioned by our environment constantly and we have to shine a light on the things that are not working well for our body's engine. And we have to, I think, go beyond looking at food as fuel. Well, and having awareness there, I like the way you put it as communication, because it literally is, right? Like your body's recognizing things as either natural or foreign or processed or synthetic the moment you put it in your mouth. 
and we talked about that on one of our last uh, one of our podcasts, right? We were talking about how our gut literally has to figure out, well, what is this first? Mm-hmm. And then after those bacteria understand what it is, then that process of breaking it down and, and, and trying to, you know, make energy from that. And then we've had talks about vagus nerve tone about, well, you could be eating perfectly healthy and all the right things, but if you're stuck in this fight or flight mode, you're actually not digesting and assimilate things. So you may be eating all the right things, but your engine isn't able to break it down efficiently to utilize that energy, to make energy to give yeah. it to us. So, yeah, I mean, oh man, this is a, this is one of those fun rabbit holes we could go down forever, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, just, let's just start there with metabolism. Everybody, it's, it's not just what you're eating, but it's how often you're eating. Like Nick is saying, you know, there was a doc, I can't remember which doc it was, but he gave that, that funny analogy of, well, plants need water, but if you over, overwater them they die right and this is no different with food some people are actually dragging ass all day because they eat too damn much and so that's like i like that analogy of the whole you can overwater a plant and kill it but you know water is good for it. it's one of the needs it needs but that's another big piece man is um people need to start eating less often you know as we age we don't have to eat as much and you know i guess that's one principle i would agree with with age is we don't have to eat as much as we get older so yeah man i mean we could go a lot of ways but metabolism that's one of the first places you actually need to look if you don't have good metabolic health we have insulin resistance uh you have poor blood sugar levels fasted if you can't get through an intermittent fast in the morning you're probably struggling here a little bit and this is something you're going to have to work on over time and rebuild your metabolism to help overall long-term with your energy. Yeah. So. And I think it'd be good to even sort of relate that to some of the typical energy producing organs or glands in the body. So we've got the thyroid yep. gland, right? Yep. And we've got the adrenal glands. Um, I mean, those are the two main reservoirs of uh, hormone production that, that, that influence metabolism so if we went back to that same discussion we did about you know the obstacles to improving metabolism uh, like toxicity obstacles or insulin resistance obstacles these things all communicate to the benefit of these glands or to the detriment and so when our liver is constantly being bombarded by processed foods and high sugars and this insulin storm from eating too regularly um, you know, we can't actually activate that thyroid hormone properly because that needs to happen in the liver. Or if we're getting this chronic stress signal happening to our bodies and our adrenal glands, you're going to keep pumping out cortisol, adrenaline, epinephrine, and keep us stuck in this fight or flight state, which isn't actually supporting, say, testosterone or DHEA or some of these other hormones that we need to, to, to help support this. And again, you know, going back to insulin again, you can't have high testosterone for us men and women, uh, even good levels of testosterone, when insulin's in a dominant state because they're inversely proportional. And so understanding how this metabolism plays out of the role of you know, our neuroendocrine system or our, uh, neurotransmitters and how they're communicating from the brain into uh, or hormones, um, which are basically the, the mechanisms or the communication system to tell how to build a body. It's rather building a body... Uh, a fat, you know, with high insulin, high stress hormone uh, production, or we're we're building a lean, resilient body that uh, that knows how to use fat as a fuel and tap into those old reserves, uh, but can maximize on on repair through testosterone, growth hormone, and DHEA or progesterone for women, and 
And so it's this beautiful symphony of all these different um, players that, that are, again, responding to the communication of the food that goes into our body and the toxins and, and which then plays out to the microbiome and whatnot. So it's, it's a fascinating, you know, again, like sort of orchestra. It's a fascinating dance between all these different things. And because how many people do you see, David, that, that come in with weight loss resistance and that obstacle to metabolism? It's so common, man. And, and that's the big conversation I have with everybody at the front end is if we're having an issue with energy, if we're having an issue with blood sugar, then that's why we're having problems. That's why we're not losing weight. That's why we're, we're stuck, right? And I like how you took it back to making that kind of a root for all this glandular function, right? And detox capacity in the nervous system. Because you look at how, you know, like the HPA access and how cortisol plays into this and our steroidal uh, hormone pathways, and we have these root pillars that people don't understand. Like if these things, if you don't have your foundations, none of this other stuff works. Mm-hmm. So you can end up supplementing. Like let's, let's talk about adrenals for a second here, man. Cause this is a hot topic with a yeah. lot of, um, with a lot of patients and doctors of, Oh, well you have adrenal fatigue or you're an adrenal insufficiency. So let's talk a little bit about what that means. And, I want to really kind of talk about how that can somewhat be a dead end if you're just supplementing that and you're not actually getting upstream to the cause of that problem. Totally. Because this is a big one for people, man. Like, and I'm not going to lie. I was one of those practitioners probably about like, I don't know, maybe six years ago that I was just constantly throwing adrenal support at people. I was constantly throwing glandulars at people that were showing low deficient levels of cortisol. We were doing testing in, in, in house, uh, doing, you know, saliva testing, looking at HPA access and those cortisol responses throughout the day. And I was supplementing these people. They were doing amazing when they're on the supplements, they felt a lot better. But the moment you take any of these people off those supplements and they just bottom right back out. Mm -hmm. So for me, that wasn't good enough. And I was like, there's gotta be something else. And that kind of took me upstream starting to look more at the brain and the nervous system and the, you know, the pituitary's role in this and the thyroid and some of these other things. And the big thing I want people to understand is there is such thing as adrenal fatigue. There is, but that's usually not where the problem is. That's the effect of a bigger issue. So one of the things I explain to people is our adrenals are kind of like the fire and our thyroid regulates the fire. You know, our thyroid hormone, and you could probably help me on the pathways here, Nick, is what has to metabolize this cortisone and cortisol that we're producing. And a lot of people have issues with energy because they have thyroid issues. So you could have a primary thyroid problem and you're not able to metabolize this hormone and that's why you're also dragging throughout the day. And then for other individuals, this could be more of an issue with the brain. This is an issue with your master system. You could possibly be in neural fatigue. Hypothalamus isn't signaling pituitary anymore, and your pituitary is not talking to your thyroid or your adrenals. So it's not so much a, I have a thyroid adrenal problem. You're in neural fatigue, which if you don't get out of that, which means you're just overstressed, there is no fixing your adrenals or thyroid. So, you know, I, I want to just speak to that a little bit because for those of you who are still just pumping yourself full of adrenal supports, you're not getting to the root cause. And that's not saying that you don't take something to help you until you get fixed. One of the big things me and Nick are going to hit home here is when we're trying to rebuild energy and you have problems with these things, it can take a lot of time. It takes a lot of work sometimes to get back where you want to be versus where you are. And sometimes we have to support ourselves 
on that on that path until we get where we need to be and then we can start to come off some of these supplements but yeah man um the adrenal thing it's kind of just like you're halfway there for people who are listening and you got to kind of look elsewhere and figure out where the bigger problems are and like nick just said what if it's just something as simple as like you think you're a freaking superman or superwoman and you're overloading your life with too much stuff and you just can't do it all. And there's nothing wrong with saying you can. I mean, I have to have that conversation with so many people of like, when do you have time for you? And when are you doing this? And when are you doing that? And then they realize like, oh my God, I don't do anything for me. And I'm constantly just in reaction to everybody else in my environment all day. And they, I mean, it's kind of like running a car at a hundred miles an hour and you never hit the brakes. The car is going to eventually start to wear out too. So for those of you who are listening, that sometimes is the problem. We're kind of just self-sabotaging ourselves because we got too much on our plate. So true. I mean, I, I always get that little reminder every time we go on retreat too. And, and just that reset, you know, I mean, even <laughs> you chiseled out like crazy. At, I remember at men's camp and men's camp uh, is a bit of a boot camp too, but but really we were working on the nervous system and just calming everything down and, and getting into states of, you know, bliss and just basically resetting your nervous system. And so, you know, understanding the role of de-stressing and, and most of us have no clue on how to do that. And so, you know, it's hard to turn off that monkey mind for most of us, but, uh, you know, I think we can probably do more for energy system by learning how to, you know, breathe and meditate and relax our nervous system and just, incorporate uh, uh an off switch essentially like you said apply the brake once in a while um and if we don't do that it's really it's really difficult you know and that, and i tell you what with every individual that that has really struggled with you know turning on their ketones or revving up metabolism or working through a thyroid or adrenal problem if we don't work on the nervous system like you know with even how you're helping people with communication with the nis and whatnot i mean it's a really difficult journey for people and on the other side of this i think it's important to understand there has to be built-in resiliency in our health journey i think I, I truly feel like we've lost a little bit of um our our mindset around you know getting healthy requires effort and energy only shows up in your life when you're putting the work in in order to develop develop energy you know we're going to talk about the mitochondria in a little bit more detail in a bit too but you know, understanding that, that we actually have to apply some healthy stressors to the body in order to elicit an adaptation process, a, a response. And we, and I think if we start to develop a little bit of a resiliency mindset, knowing that, you know, we're going to put in the work, it's, you know, not always fun. It's going to require some effort and some consistency on our part. Uh, but when we do, then our body's just going to respond. Because like you said, hormones are not a cause of a problem. They're an effect. They're responding to our environment. And so when we can see them as an effect, we can see that, well, we can support that effect by developing the, the appropriate lifestyle strategies. And, and I think just having that resiliency mindset and knowing that it's going to take some work. You know, I, I we had on, on our last podcast, we had your buddy, um, he was talking about, you know, being in the military and going on these missions and he's, he's, I think he said, and I've heard this before, you prepare for the worst, but expect the best. And so, you know, that's kind of what we're doing with our bodies. We're preparing for, you know, cutting out the toxins, cutting out the sugars. We're, we're implementing some exercise. We're doing some things to support the adrenals or thyroid if need be. And, you know, we're, we're sort of preparing for 
preventing the worst case scenario from happening, um, but expecting the best results. And I think that's uh, how I define anyways, that resiliency. Well, and to speak to the hormones, I love what you're saying, man. Everybody, you're creating what hormones are basically cascading through your system. And kind of like Nick was talking at the at the front end about this mindset, and he's talking about this resiliency mindset. Your thoughts all day long are writing chemicals. So, you know, one of the things I love about Joe Dispenza, what he just constantly hits home, it's like this message, it never ends with him, is... If you're living in the past or the near present future, you're constantly in a stress mode. Mm-hmm. Your, your body can't tell the difference. It's just reliving past stress. But when we're living in creation and, and we're, when we have that coherence of mind and heart and everything's where it needs to be, we literally are writing a repairing healing type of hormone cascade. It's a completely different kind of chemical mixture that runs downstream to our body. So, I mean, I love it, man. Just starting with the whole master system of this like neural fatigue. I mean, we can be creating this problem. And then, yeah, then you get metabolism and you have our glandular function. All these things keep coming after that. So real quick, man, what would you say just for some of our listeners or some tests, they could just start running right off the bat if they're struggling with some of these things, just if they went to one of their docs, what could they run right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I usually get most of our patients to run something called a, a lifestyle that we, we coin a lifestyle panel, which looks at, you know, uh, inflammatory markers. It looks at, you know, just B12, uh, vitamin D, you know, cholesterol levels, um, homocysteine, which is a detoxification marker and methylation marker, um, just basic white blood cells, red blood cells too, to see if, you know, maybe the body's working on a chronic infection or something, or, or maybe there's anemia, you know, looking at ferritin and, um, ferritin's a really interesting one that, that I've been doing a little bit more deep diving into. Um, and because we, we have this seemingly, um, anemia, anemic population of massive, what seems to be iron deficiency and and I've heard some literature recently on just how that can be more connected to uh, other minerals uh, as a deficiency and not actually being able to utilize our iron effectively. So there, there's a whole, I think, mystery and a mistreatment um, in, in the world of iron, which, again, tied to energy for sure. So that's a good one to look at. Um, uric acid levels, again, looking at city and inflammation. Um, CRP again, uh, another inflammatory marker. So, I mean, there's a, there's a whack of things that we usually do to look at just overall functionality and, and synergy of these different systems. And then, you know, specifically, I'd run hormone panel uh, to look at testosterone, free and, and, and total, and DHEA and estrogen, progesterone, you know, some of those markers. And then we do a proper full thyroid panel too to look at, you know, TSH, reverse T3, free, free T3, free T4 look at the thyroid antibodies to see if there's any autoimmune sort of uh, underlying things. So um, no, I don't necessarily do that for every single patient, um, but we do, you know, sort of look at symptoms as roadmaps and look at, you know, family history. Is there a thyroid problem in the, in the family tree? You know, is there, is there overwhelming um, exposure to toxicity or uh, metal fillings or things like that? that maybe you're, causing interference for the thyroid so i think uh for most people though you know when we're running a a fairly comprehensive testing protocol we're going to find a number of things for most people that we see and you know the argument there could be you're sort of like throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks uh, 
and sometimes you sur were surprised because you wouldn't expect maybe that some of these markers might be out of range, but in fact they are. And so, um, you know, we I think as practitioners, I mean, we both do this. We you you we use our consultation as best we can to assess, and then at the same time, you know, have some of these basic testing tools that that can be super valuable to to find out, you know, inflammation, metabolic stress, et cetera, et cetera. I love all those, man. And then I, I would add in addition to, because this is something I always get from a lot of my patients that have been to a lot of other doctors and the doctors will send them away and say, well, I, I, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. Mm -hmm. And the patients will say, I have, I have no energy. Like I have no energy. And the doctor is like, no, you're fine. They check everything out is get a saliva test and run your HPA axis. That's mm -hmm. such a simple way of just to get a really good look at like what's going on. A lot of times you'll see, yeah, that you're not producing any cortisol. Like you're in such neural fatigue that like you're getting up, there's no gas in the tank and you're just dragging all day. Mm -hmm. So for you, the listeners, if that's happening to you, you're not crazy. There is something going on, but the doctors you're going to don't have a solution or answer for you at that point. Cause they don't look at these things like some, like some, not all docs are looking at the same thing either. Like Nick is saying he runs certain things. I run certain things, but the end of the day you just got to try to look in the right places and yeah we have to test you can't guess mm -hmm. you have to test yeah so yeah man i think that that'll take us into the cell because you're talking about some inflammatory markers and let's get into the mitochondria and toxicity and let's just talk about how uh, again just zooming in looking at the engine of the cell and what that actually tells us about energy totally well i think i mean one of the tests that, that we also run a lot of is uh, organic acid tests which look at uh, metabolites for, um, let's say, infections, or it looks at neurotransmitters, it looks at certain vitamins and minerals, um, and it looks at uh, amino acids and things like that, and glutathione and intracellular antioxidants. So when I think of like the, the toxic world that we live in, unfortunately, I know man-made toxins, um, we get really depleted in, in some of our core intracellular communication systems or antioxidant systems and glutathione is one of those key indicators. So when we get really depleted in this really important antioxidant, we know that the mitochondria, which are basically the batteries of the cell are under a significant amount of stress and they've probably been working overtime for a very long time. And, you know, and so, you know, what helps to support the mitochondria are many things, uh, but looking at some of those basic intracellular antioxidants is, is critical. And, you know, this gets into, you know, we could talk about, you know, ketone production and being a sugar burner. And, but we have to remember too, that all your hormones, they actually operate and they communicate to directly to the mitochondria. So, you know, something we used to treat uh, for a while was, was uh, doing bioidentical hormones. So people would come in and, you know, low energy, weight gain, fatigue, poor sleep and whatnot. And, uh, you know, everything was let's give them some hormones so this is drive up hormone function to get more of that hormone into the blood which hopefully enough of that hormone will get into the cell and communicate to the mitochondrial membrane and for some people it worked really great but again it's kind of like giving adrenal support it's, you're good when you're on it uh, and then what you know you come off of it and it's kind of back to normal and so we don't want to just you know ramp up the uh, the vitamins or the minerals or the hormones or thing we kind of have to do everything all together cohesively and we have to take away enough of those stressors so the mitochondria can work properly because we know you know some of those heavy metals that could be lead mercury or uh, cadmium 
um, you know, arsenic, aluminum, they actually embed themselves again into the mitochondrial membrane membranes. Toxins move into fat. And so they'll they'll disrupt the communication on the outer cell membrane, but then they also disrupt the communication on the inner cell membrane. And while they're there, they're kicking out our essential minerals, which help the whole mitochondria do its job. We need the magnesium and the calcium and the silica and the, and the copper and manganese and all these little micro minerals to to make our, you know the Krebs cycle and the mitochondrial function happen so there's so many different factors and i find it fascinating to 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 dive in into these things but you know when we're going back to the organic acid test most people have amino acid deficiencies most people have b vitamin deficiencies again different for everybody most people have mineral deficiencies and all these little cofactors are needed in our energy producing centers of the body which is the krebs cycle and the electron transport chain and guess what? All of those things are oxygen dependent. So if we're not breathing properly too and not oxygenating the tissues, uh, we're going to poor mitochondrial function. So there's a bit, bit of a rant on a bunch of different components, but I think, you know, breaking it down to some of our simplistic pieces that, that just, you know, drive that engine or, or actually become the hardware of the engine essentially. And then, and then how we fuel uh, through the ketones or sugars, I think is, is that next step. Well, and everyone who's listening, your mitochondria are the engines of your cells. And remember, we're nothing more than 70 trillion cells. These are like little batteries. These are what keep you alive. This is why you're, you're, you're alive right now and breathing. And what Nick is speaking to is huge. I mean, when you're having health issues, especially energy, you have to zoom in to the mitochondria and look to see where the problem is at that level of your body. Because that's what's running the show. I mean, we talked about hormones earlier, and Nick's talking about toxicity and inflammation, all these things, and and our and our 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 body's ability to function properly. And when we have this toxic load hitting us all the time, it it's going to throw your hormones off, right? There's adaptions, like Nick's saying, in the cell. It affects the toxic levels in the cell. It affects our our like you're saying, our vitamin and mineral ratios and things like that. So, you know, we can take this stuff all the way back to to really just again testing and we talk about this all the time man we're always looking for toxicity we're always doing markers to check for toxicity in people that's one of the main things we check on everybody and the reason is like nick said we just we live in a toxic world even if you're eating really clean and you're trying to do all the right things you're still getting hit all the time even why it's even more so it's so much more important now to live a lifestyle where you're reducing that toxic load because, yeah. I mean, if I think of interferences for energy, man, I would probably say it's on the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Talk just toxicity. No like people, could, people could just start there and start reducing their toxic load in their diet, at home, in their environment, what they put on their skin. Mm-hmm. And immediately you would probably see changes in energy just from changing that. Yeah. Because it's just going to trickle its way down. The ripple effect gets all the way down to the cell. And there's going to be a little bit of ease coming up off the body when you lower that load. And then, of course, we need to detox if we're already toxic. But just, you know, changing your environment is going to make a big change there. Well, I think another thing to, to comment on, too, is just mitochondrial numbers. Like if we, if we use the, the gas tank analogy again and you just kept dumping more and more gas in your car, eventually the, the gas tank would fill up and it would spill out. 
you know, so our, obviously our cars don't have a capacity to increase the size of, um, you know, the gas tank. It's, it's sort of, uh, there's a limit. The same thing with our body. If we're constantly putting fuel information into our cells and, and more and more and more and more, the body's going to be like, I got a steady supply of energy. I don't need all these extra mitochondria lying around inside the cell. We can kind of just get rid of them. And since there's such a steady supply of, of sugar coming in, we can just sort of calm that down. And, and then as a byproduct, we get all this, you know, a ton of exhaust and, and like sort of like byproduct of smoke or off-gassing or, or in the body that's interpreted as inflammation and free radical damage and oxidative stress and um, uh, glycation, which is basically, we got to do something with this extra energy. Let's store it and attach it to fats and different things, build triglycerides up or oxidize our, our, our fats inside of our body because of this overconsumption of fuel. And when we understand things like that, we are, like I said, our body will just say, well, since there's a steady supply, let's decrease our mitochondrial numbers. And then, you know, what's happening on the macro level is like, oh, I've got no energy. I'm going to just put, keep putting more fuel into the body. And it's, it, it sort of makes sense on the outside, like, well, I must need more fuel. But really what's happening metabolically inside the body or biochemically is that our cells don't have to work as hard. So let's talk about adaptation at the level of the mitochondria to, to apply certain stresses in order to build those mitochondrial numbers again in the body. Love, love, love it, man. We're going to get to talk about fasting. But real quick, since you're talking about that, so the highest density of these mitochondria are where? We have three places, right? So our brain, our heart, and our kidneys have the highest density of these mitochondria in our system. And, and if, if you're, you're a really woman... If you're women's ovaries. Yeah. Ovaries, yes. So, but I mean, think about this for a second, man. Those are some pretty damn important organs, right? I mean, our brain, mm -hmm. the heart. Okay, the heart's what I mean, the heart's probably one of the hardest working muscles in the entire body, right? Yeah. And it's just full of mitochondria. And then kidneys. The kidneys are working all day long to mm -hmm. clean us out, to filter all the crap out of our system, right? So Everyone, I mean, these are major organs. So like when Nick's speaking to you, you eat too much and all of a sudden your body doesn't have to adapt anymore. And then it's going to say, okay, well, what can I like start adjusting here? Cause uh, this is, I got plenty of energy here. It's not, you know, so we're going to have this massive, like Nick is saying, decrease in mitochondria uh, from overeating and eating too often. And it's kind of counterintuitive. Yes, I know. Um, so let's talk about if we're having an issue like that, Nick, what kind of things can people shift? I mean, of course, fasting is going to be one of those that we talk about, but of course, eating less often, this is going to help. It's called mitochondrial biogenesis, right? So it's going to help your body actually create adaption by eating less often. And the body is actually going to do the opposite of what Nick says. So it's going to say, okay, wait a second. I'm not getting as much food here. I don't have energy literally just sitting there 24 hours a day and I can just pull. So I'm going to have to adapt here a little bit. And the way our bodies do that, it goes through a process called mitochondrial biogenesis where it actually creates more mitochondria. So you're basically getting more batteries over time. And this is for you going to end up meaning more energy. Yeah. But again, something you have to work at. Totally. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that it seems like work, but it's actually like freedom. When you eat less often, you're not so ruled by time. 
you know, when you, when you're only having three meals a day versus like, I got to eat every couple hours or if, you know, you start to learn that adaptation a little bit more, you get down to two meals, maybe a couple times a week, you just eat one meal. Maybe you go for a full 24 hour fast. You know, like what you realize is you gain time, you gain freedom, you gain this level of empowerment that comes from not being so tied to food because we pacify our emotions constantly. We're addicted to food. And so we have to sort of release that trauma of the over fuel consumption with nowhere to put that fuel, uh, the decreased quality and functioning and numbers of our mitochondria as a result of our lifestyle practices. And then realize that actually it's so much easier once you've learned that adaptation. However, like, you, like we said, it does take a bit of work. You, you have to deconstruct you know, our, our food addiction. We have to deconstruct what it means to be healthy and, and how many times we need to eat. And, you know, all we have to do is take a look and see that, um, you know, chronic illness is on the rise. There's nothing actually that we've done collectively just to slow things down. And, you know, for all our, you know, advancements in technology and, you know, whatever kind of strategies are being implemented in, in conventional medicine, it's not working. And so we have to start to take the power back and we have to do some of the work. We have to encourage these physiological adaptation processes within in order to, to not be tied to a healthcare system that's obviously not serving us. And I think it's important because, you know, how many people are on medications? Like we sometimes see patients that come in, they're on like five, six, seven different medications and their, well, their chief complaint is low energy. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, how, how could your, your body actually perform better when you're on so many things that are causing it to slow down? You know, so we, we have to get it, we have to change what we're doing. Well, and just to speak a little bit more to what you just said, the body needs energy, everyone, to run itself all day long with just basic things that it has to do. And if you're already waking up and you can tell me your battery's at 50% or less, you're probably not going to feel real good and you're going to have other problems with the system. So like Nick's saying is like, what are you doing right now that's already taxing that energy? And most of the time it's starting with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And like Nick's saying, there is no pill. There is no magic pill. There is no... You know, it's not going to come in, in, a, in a spoonful of medicine to help you fix this. This means making changes with what you're doing and creating healing over time through adaptation. And like Nick's saying, it, it is freedom, especially with something as simple as just eating. If it, like, like Nick's saying, if it's the other way around for you and you're a slave to food all day, then you're already upside down. And there's, there's things that need to change in your life to, to have improvements there. Yeah. I wanted to read something after you said that. So BJ Palmer said this, this is the son of the, the, the guy who discovered chiropractic DD Palmer. And he says, have you more faith in a spoonful of medicine than in the power that animates the living world? Beautiful. And it's so true, man. I mean, our bodies are amazing, right? And yet we, here we are as a civilization of people on this planet. And we think that the answer lies outside of us. Mm -hmm. And yet you and I know that's not the case. So, you know, what's making you sick, everybody? What do you think is taxing your energy? And what, what can you already start to do to, to be on the other side of this? Um, well, one thing quick, I want to say, uh, say on that, too, is, yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a current, you know, we're filming this. We're, we're, we're just starting to open, open up our societies again to some degree. And what is the exact opposite of motion 
it's it's freeze what, what is like the the emotion of freeze it's fear right so when we're stuck in this like immobility this you know stagnation in this mindset of immobility and not being in a mindset of resiliency to be stuck in a holding pattern to be frozen like frozen shoulder you know or any rigidity that we have is coming from a place of fear essentially like fear of the unknown fear of illness fear of infection you know it, it's it collapses our capacity to see anything else other than that which is causing fear and you know to think of all the permutations of that frozen state um i mean it creates chaos in the body because our body our, our mind our our spiritual system operates from creativity and flow and growth and love essentially so when we're stuck in that pathology of being stuck and frozen in fear um nothing nothing positive can come from that there's there's nothing there's no system in our body that will actually be in elevation as a result of being stuck in panic and fear and some of us you know we don't realize that we're even in there you know we don't realize that we're there at all and i think if we don't get in touch with our trauma and, and what's holding us back and our uh, lack of ability to want to adapt and change, um, our lack of ability to want to educate ourselves and move us forward into a paradigm of, of love and, and movement and freedom. I mean, essentially that's, that's chiropractic medicine right there is you remove the obstacles so the body can heal. And, you know, if you take it to the level of the nervous system, that fear is like that, that obstruction. It's like a subluxation. So dive into that piece, man, because I know that um, you really love it. Yes, man. Well, I wanted to, yes, let's dive into that, but real quick, because I love to hear you talk about this and we're talking about mitochondria. I want to talk about exercise real quick. Mm, yeah. When we, when we have people in these situations with energy issues and then that we get the classic, hey, uh, I'll exercise and I have, I feel worse afterwards. Like yeah. I get massively drained afterwards. So I wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up because I like talking about exercise of how this can be a good stress or a bad stress on our bodies. And if you're already an individual that's struggling with energy and just even talking to mitochondria again, like Nick was talking about, a lot of times these batteries are depleted. All these batteries in your cells are depleted or you're deficient, like Nick's saying, and you've eaten too much and your body just basically started to shave down a little bit. But if you're feeling worse after you do exercise, so let's say you go to the gym and you hit a circuit at the gym and you're doing machines and you feel worse afterwards. Well, the intensity was probably too high and you were probably doing the wrong type of exercise. So if you're feeling worse, you need to do other exercises that are actually helping improve stress levels, which can be things like a, a walk or a hike or a, a chill yoga class, you know, something that's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more low to moderate type intensity. Um, and then when you're feeling better and we're getting some healing and the energy's coming up, yeah, it's going to help to do maybe some like high intensity hit type stuff. But exercise is going to be dependent on where you're at. And in that point in time, it's either going to be a good stress or a bad stress. The goal with exercise is for it to always be a good stress, a you stress. But many people are actually creating distress with exercise. You know, I can't tell you how many individuals I have that are, they still train five to six days a week. They basically go in and do whatever their trainer tells them to do that day. Mm -hmm. And then they'll come into me and they're like, well, I'm having all these energy problems. And so then I'll say, well, why don't you just work out three to four days a week? 
and that's all they do and they have more time for rest and then all their all their health issues go away man their energy comes up they're feeling better they're sleeping better all these things get better why well they were overtraining yeah sometimes maybe we're just doing too much it's not necessarily a good thing to exercise five six days a week depending on what your lifestyle is and and how much you have on your plate so speaking to this overall energy thing you got to look at how you're exercising and is that helping you or is that actually part of the problem and do you need to make some tweaks there? So there, I just wanted to hit that real quick. Do you have anything to say about exercise? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's such a vital part. And I think the contrast to that is, is when people say, okay, well, when, when I've got more energy, then I'll exercise. And so, <laughs> but I think how you lay it out, it's like, well, you just have to start somewhere. You have to pick something. It could be this, you know, a yin yoga class or something super chill. It has to be something. And I do th- we are built to move. So yeah, you don't have to do the hit style training every single day. But I think, you know, going for the walk, doing a bike ride, playing with your kids, you know, getting active in some kind of way is super important because we're, we're locomotive beings. We're not plants. We're meant to move. So we do have to move. So yeah, jump into the, nerv- the, the nervous system, bud, because I know that. So interference, you know, I mean, energy. Yeah, this is, I love it that you brought that up. So we'll give some solutions here now that we're coming up to the whole removing interferences. So I talk to people all day long about removing stress. Okay. When we subluxate in our spine, it's nothing more than just the effect of your nervous system's interpretation of how much stress you have in your life. So we call it the three T's toxins, trauma, and thoughts or you could break this down in physical stress, mental, emotional stress, and biochemical stress. But at the end of the day, your nervous system, this is just stress. It can't tell the difference. And these are just interferences when you really think about it. If I'm eating junk food or too much sugar throughout the day, uh, I'm just creating interference in my body. Uh, Let's say I'm in fear and worry over something like this stupid pandemic we're in right now. Again, just creating more interference there. That's creating... It's pulling my body further and further away from homeostasis. Or we can just talk about physical stress. Maybe I sit down all day in a desk, or maybe I don't move enough. Um, maybe I'm moving too much, like I just spoke to. Um, maybe I've had some physical trauma. Again, creating interference. So the fix is not, you know, I always tell my patients, it's not me adjusting your spine necessarily. That's part of the solution, part of the process that I use to get you well and get you back. But the fix is actually removing these interferences that are part of your lifestyle, what you're doing. And once we do that, the healing actually will begin. And then we're going to do other things like adjustments and nutrition and dietary counseling or, you know, talk about exercise and all these other things that we can do to put you back together. But at the end of the day, you have to turn off these interferences for us to get any leeway with the healing done because I can't heal somebody that's continually doing these things and creating interference. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always start with that because that's kind of where it's at, man. I mean, everything that we really just talk to, it's interference. Mm -hmm. So I always just kind of simplify things, man. You know how I am. So one of the first things I tell people is like, well, what are you putting in your mouth? If you're not eating clean, you're not eating healthy right there, you got to start eating right. And a lot of people aren't doing that, okay? Um, you know, outside of how we eat, like you said, we're built to move. We don't move enough anymore. People do not move. Most people get up, they shower, they jump in their car, they go to work, they sit behind a desk, they go to lunch, they sit, they go home, they sit and eat dinner, they sit and watch TV, they go lay down on their bed, 
the next day starts. We're not moving, man. Like it, it's ridiculous. So movement is life. We have to move. And like Nick is saying, it doesn't have to be the gym. You know, it could just be something as simple as, Hey, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go play with my kids outside for a little bit and run around or, I mean, just find excuses to get outside or move your body doing something. Yeah. But the, I mean, we are literally built as human beings for this. So if you're not doing something as simple as just moving regularly, again, that's a big interference for you. And then the other one is like we talk all the time, man, uh, is our, our mental, emotional health with which all these eventually, if we're having problems in any of these stressors, will be a mental, emotional stress, right? So they all kind of piggyback back to mental, emotional stress. So like if we're tired all the time, we're going to get depressed and we're going to be down on ourselves because we have no energy and I can't do this and I don't feel like doing this. And then it becomes worry. And then I get worried. Why don't I have energy? And then I start to get scared. Is something wrong with me? So then it just keeps going on and on. Right. And then we write this story in our head and then that begins to cause stress and create interference. So I know our listeners are listening like, well, what the hell, man? You know, it's probably not that easy to correct these things, but it really is. And it takes an active role in living your life. And like I say all the time of living in creation with everything from how I'm going to eat to how I'm going to move to how I'm going to think to taking time for me. Right. And, 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 and almost anybody who is a lifetime chiropractic patient that understands these things understands how important it is to live a life like this. Cause this is how you, this is how you self heal. This is how you get your body to return back to homeostasis. If it's, if it's not there. This is how, uh, this is, I think, a re- just a great foundation of how so many people need to approach their health really from a paradigm place because that's where it starts. Totally. Well, that's why I think this, this conversation is so important because, you know, people can usually sink their teeth into and have a subjective experience of changes in energy. And we can relate that totally to, to getting healthier. I mean, it's, it's a byproduct of being healthy. If we're getting less and less energy, that's a byproduct of sickness. And so, you know, I think we can all do a better job of taking responsibility and, and understanding that there's some pieces that we need to shine light on. Because if you look again, all illnesses, you know, cancer, it's a diversion of energy to anaerobic metabolism. Uh, Alzheimer's dementia, it's a, it's a decreased brain energy. You know, cardiovascular disease, we're, we're shunting energy, um, we're, we're, we're challenged with energy, let's say it's atherosclerosis, we're, we're compressing our energy, uh, we're squashing it, it's affecting our lung function. So at the end of the day, you know, energy, again, is a byproduct of being healthy. And so let's, let's give them some home play then, like, let's, what's a good place for people to start? And um, yeah, how do they shine the light on that? And we gave lots of tools, but maybe what's, what's the first so before before home play, let's give them a self way to assess. And I actually got this from uh, Caitlin from Dr. Zazowski. So I use this with my patients now, and this is the question I ask really to kind of gauge your energy. So we all have cell phones. We plug them in before we go to bed. We recharge our batteries for the next day, and we expect that battery to say 100%. So if you were a cell phone and you were plugging yourself in every night and you're waking up in the morning, what is your battery percentage saying? Is it saying 100%? Is it saying 80%? Is it 50? Is it 30? Where are you at? And on average, where would you say that battery looks like throughout the day? Because if it is low, if you're not, you know, at least I would say 80 to 100% pretty regularly, then there are some issues there. 
And that means that you can start looking into some of these things that me and Nick spoke to today and start making some changes. And I think the home play needs to really probably start with what interferences can you already start removing that you think may be playing into why you don't have energy. So just start with the three T's. I mean, it's kind of like a blueprint, right? Look at your physical stress on your body. Are you someone who exercises a lot? Are you overtraining? Stress plus rest equals growth. Maybe you just need to have a couple more rest days. Um, you know, go outside of exercise. Are we eating right? How much junk is in your diet? Look at your toxic load in your diet. That's what you're putting in your mouth. Are you eating real food? You know, let's just keep it simple. And then on the other piece, uh, I'll let you take that one, Nick. What, what would you give them for the mental, emotional health piece that they can maybe start looking at? Well, I like, I send a lot of my patients over to read a book called Letting Go. Uh, it's written by Dr. David Hawkins. And I think this is a, it's a powerful, simple tool. It's just literally changing the reference point for how we're doing based on our thoughts and putting them into our feelings. And I think if we just spent a little time allowing ourselves to feel what we feel, but not attaching a thought to it, um, we can start to get more clarity around how we're doing. And, you know, we need to make time to do that. So sit your butt down on the floor in a chair and just sink into what you're feeling in that moment. And then maybe you, as you start to develop this practice a little bit more, it can sort of happen organically, but maybe you can start to go into some of your old feelings of, you know, shame, resentment, anger, frustration, you know, uh, weakness or wh whatever that, that feeling is. And maybe it'll stir up a memory for you so you can, you know, release some of the attachment because often the stories that we keep telling ourselves are just a version of how we keep manipulating with, with, with our thoughts. And they keep getting worse over time and they keep getting bigger and more intense and they're angrier and whatnot. But if actually we went back into the feeling, we could actually just relate that, oh, maybe I wasn't seeing this in the same kind of way. And you can actually change the past by changing your attachment to it and changing your feelings around it. And so anyways, the book is called Letting Go by Dr. David Hawkins. It's a fantastic book. I think it's, it's like a foundational tool for all of us humans to get in touch with, to not relate to our thoughts, but to, to tap into our feelings. Beautiful, man. Well said. It's a good start. Yep. This was fun, man. Totally. Well, I know there's, there's an episode we want to do on discussing um, the, the biggest little farm or I don't know if I got that backwards or, or right, but, but yeah, that, yeah. that's another topic that we're going to get into on our next sort of free class. Uh, that we've got uh, David and I have some guests coming up uh, down the pipeline too but um, these conversations where you and I get to connect like this is, is helpful because I think it's it's like okay here's some action tools for people to put into play that that speak to the thing that we all need to do so I, I love these conversations this was a blast man so everybody if you haven't seen it because Nick mentioned it it's called the biggest little farm it's a documentary and I believe it's on Netflix or Prime yeah. Video uh, it was great, man. I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to talking about that. And I think that's kind of where we need to go with mm -hmm. things. So check it out uh, if you haven't seen it. And me and Nick will be talking about that one. Like we said, we have some really amazing guests coming up. We're going to have home pregnancy. Uh, we're going to talk about heart rate variability. 
Uh, we're going to get more into uh, children, kids, raising yeah. kids, raising healthy, smart kids that we don't damage too much, all that fun <laughs> stuff. So, uh, yeah, we got some good stuff coming out here in the next couple months with you all. Um, having a blast still. Please be sure to uh, let us know if you want us to talk about certain subjects. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, please share our podcast with your friends and family. Uh, if you know somebody that maybe one of these episodes you hear could help, uh, pass it along. I've actually had quite a few people come into the clinic lately because of that. So you could help somebody. Little do you know, just you know, kind of text messaging a friend or a family member. One of these episodes could change their life. So uh, thank you all for listening and have a blessed day. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.